Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And we have not only a very interesting topic today, we also have two incredibly interesting guests with us. We have Randy Bell. How are you, Randy? I'm great, Rebecca. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on again. And we have the lovely Sophronia. How are you today? Well, how are you? This is going to be, you guys are going to love this. This is awesome. So let's start as we usually do by reading some bios. Landon, would you like to go first? Yeah, I've got uh, Sophronia's, uh, which, by the way, is the name of Joseph Smith's sister. Um, Sophronia is not her real name, but uh, we uh, pr protecting uh, a little bit. So uh, Sophronia is a fifth generation Mormon. Her great great grandfather was a childhood friend of Joseph Smith. Sophronia's great great grandfather had seven wives. Sophronia comes from the second wife on that line. And from his son, her great grandfather, she comes from the third wife. Sophronia was married in the Salt Lake Temple at the age of 20. She is no longer married and is no longer a member of the church. She is a successful business owner. After a rocky and tremendously frightening start, she has now found tremendous fulfillment outside of the church. Oh, I love that. That's a wonderful bio. Thanks for sharing that. And we have had Randy on before, but we always are going to read the bio because maybe some of you somehow missed him. I can't imagine how. Um, Randall Bell, PhD, is a sociologist and economist who specializes in disaster recovery projects. No stranger to how harsh the world is, Dr. Bell has consulted in more tragedies around the world than anyone. He was retained for the World Trade Center, Flight 93, Sandy Hook, um, BP oil spill, Hurricane Katrina, the Bikini Atoll nuclear test sites and the BP oil spill, the Northridge earthquake, OJ Simpson, JonBenet Ramsey, Heaven's Gate, and hundreds of other cases. Dr. Bell's investigations have taken him to 50 states, seven continents, and having met with countless victims, he has earned the nickname of Master of Disaster. And again, I have to plug his amazing book called because, you know, I also run a book club, <laughs> Post-Traumatic <laughs> Thriving. And we did do an interview with Randy over on the book club site, The Good Book Club for Post-Mormons, if you want to check that out, because it's just an incredible book. So there we go. But that's not what we're talking about today. Is it Landon? It is not. <laughs> we're going to be talking a little bit about tithing, something that's been in the uh, news lately. That's right. We are going to cover tithes, offering, and donations done the LDS way. And as we're starting, let's go to our first slide. Um, we are going to talk about what it says in the handbook about how carefully tithing is supposed to be handled and protected. Uh, Randy, do you want to read that for us? This is right out of the church handbook. Sure. The amount of tithing and other financial offerings paid by a donor is confidential. Only the bishop and those who are authorized to handle or view these contributions should have access to this information. Stake presidents, bishoprics, and clerks should never inappropriately discuss a member's tithing status, nor should they discuss the total amount of tithing or other offerings received. That's true. And, and this is only one portion of the handbook. I don't know if you guys have looked in there, but there are countless paragraphs on what to do with tithing. Like it always has to be too deep when you're counting it. I mean, ha have either of you men, of course, been involved in tithing donation gathering or anything like anybody, a financial clerk or anything? Oh, yeah. 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 I was a finance clerk of a ward once and I really didn't like being in that position because I didn't, it was just none of my business. And I tried as hard as I could to forget everything as fast as I could. 
Yeah, I was in the bishopric and not only counting it, but then you were responsible to take it to the bank and, and deposit it and make sure it, it got there. You're always afraid that what happens if it doesn't show up? <laughs> I did. Well, then you're the excommunicated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard there are pretty stiff penalties. In fact, you know, tithing donations, of course, when we go to our next slide, we'll talk about why um, this is relevant right now. But a lot of people weighed in on social media saying, oh, my gosh, when I was a clerk, boy, you know, you, it would be instant discipline if something happened or something went wrong. Like follow the money is kind of what you do to figure out what people care about, I think. And that's what makes it so interesting. So let's go to our next slide. Yeah, the two the two things you can't do in the church is criticize the leaders or lose the money or take or lose the money. money. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. So recently, um, of course, we've been following Tim Ballard. We've been following the claims, the lawsuits by the five women, everything about OUR. So there was an amendment to the claim just a week or so ago. And this very interesting um, claim came out, allegedly. Um, and of course, this is a headline. It says, LDS Apostle accused of leaking tithing records to target wealthy donors. Landon, do you want to kind of explain just the general concept in case anybody has missed that? <laughs> yeah, basically the accusation was that uh, Elder Ballard had uh, given tithing records to uh, OUR so that, to help them in, in raising uh, contributions to their organization. Um, of course, the, the question kind of comes up, what, it, what is a tithing record? We, we don't know what form this took. Is there a a file that has all the tithing records or that, that he passed off secretly? Or is, is this just saying, Hey, you ought to call this guy or mm -hmm. you ought to call this guy. Uh, we, we're not sure what that entails uh, leaking the, the records, but somehow the, the accusation is, is the OUR knew where to go to get to the, the wealthy donors, not only individually, but they also told them where the wealthy wards were located at yes. uh, so that they could target them as well. Yeah. When you saw that news, Sophronia, what did you think about that? Did you think there's a possibility or did that seem out of the realm of possibility? Everyone's been talking about it. Uh, I thought it was right in line with my own experience. So it did not shock me in the least. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get into that. That Yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about today. So I kind of picture like a big Rolodex, right? Bright red and Ellie Ballard <laughs> coming through it. You know? <laughs> I don't know. So of course, yeah, exactly. Of course, that made the news all over. And then, of course, you know, a rebuttal article came out right away. Senior Latter-day Saint Apostle never released tithing records, church states, which is interesting because the church often doesn't rebut or state something or leak something to Vice News. But here, going right at it, they flat out said this never happened. We would never misuse the tithing funds because look what it says in their own handbook. You, that's that's a disciplinary offense if they could prove somehow that an apostle had done that. That's a gross, you know, overreach, overstepping, misuse of, of his uh, apostolic uh, office. I think so. That came out, and all of us were like, "Hmm, I don't know. We'll wait and see." And, and again, that this uh, when they say never release tithing records, we all remember, uh, you know, when they said they did not use tithing funds uh, on the. Yeah uh on the mall and then it turned out they used interest from it so yeah. does never release tithing records mean they didn't give a piece of paper but he you know but what he really did was something else yeah who, who knows but in fairness the davis county attorney is the one who originally was investigating this who said he he didn't find enough evidence uh to to prosecute that so uh these are allegations 
it's interesting that they that the attorney for the women would bring this up mm -hmm. if they didn't have something mm -hmm. or perhaps they want to be able to they bring it up so that they can go and and uh, in discovery try to get some proof that they had in fact done this yeah i think that's true did you believe them randy when you saw this headline <laughs> did you think oh that settles it <laughs> uh no <laughs> I, I think the, the issue is very much still on the table Yep, I think so too. So then we had uh, some more. I think Sophronia, Sophronia, did you? Oh, yeah, have... I, oh go ahead. Right. I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, I doubt they released tithing records. Yeah. But they probably produced a list that essentially said all that you need to know what mm -hmm. donors are. Those aren't necessarily tithing records. Yeah. No, I names would agree. Names and phone numbers. Names and phone numbers. Names and phone numbers. Yeah, I think. And, and the other interesting thing is, is because they they said that they had targeted wards, and then we found out that on October fifteenth, they visited. OUR is still out visiting wards. Giving uh, fire and We saw that it was a ward in Texas. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that ward. New Brunsfeld, I think. We tried New to look it up to see. Yeah, wondering if that's a wealthy ward. Uh, mm. That would be a little bit of a coincidence if the ward they visited in Texas on October fifteenth is a well-to-do ward. Uh, that would kind of give some credence to the fact that uh, OUR knew which wards to go to. Uh, to it is to a wealthy funds. area of San Antonio. I do know that. Yes, really? it's right, right okay. near San Antonio. Yep. Okay, we tried to look on Google Maps and see. However, we did ask. We had uh, Monique, Doctor Monique Dewar, on an episode before, who had worked in the donations department or in the financial department of the CrossFit OUR gym way back in the day, and we asked her, "Did you ever?" hear anything about anybody getting tithing records. And she said she hadn't heard it. I mean, it didn't mean that wasn't what was happening. She was in charge of making sure that expired credit cards, you know, calling those people, making sure they still wanted to donate. Uh, the impression she gave is it, OUR was a big financial machine. Like it was geared up for donations. And, and there were a lot of people working on that, trying to bring the money in, making sure the flow was there. So she had not heard of tithing records, but you know, she definitely said there was a focus on donations. Um, okay, so then the next thing that happens is, well, right after the Vice News um, article statement where the church said, we're distancing ourselves from Tim Ballard, Elder Ballard is, has nothing to do with him. Um, a wealthy business owner, Russell Brunson in Idaho made a video that said, no, that's not how it works. Elder Ballard contacted me. So here we have a wealthy donor saying that he was contacted by M. Russell Ballard, that he had not really known of Tim Ballard before until he was contacted by Russell Ballard. So to me, I sort of thought, and I don't know what you guys think, well, that, that means somehow Elder Ballard knew that this was a very wealthy um, LDS member, and he would be somebody that might want to donate, even to the point where they invited Russell Brunson to Elder Ballard's office with Tim Ballard, you know, and they sat down and this whole video was all about that. And that news story uh, was picked up by ABC4 News, just kind of asking the question, you know, wealthy donor, does this? I, I think it's. I think it's important to point out because some people will say, well, he was just acting as a, as a man. He wasn't acting as an apostle, but he yeah. was contacted by Elder Ballard's secretary, which uh -huh. means she's working on the church's dime uh, to, to call this man in. And then uh, in addition to that, after he'd been asked to, to give, uh, Elder Ballard told him, that Satan and the gate, basically yeah. the gates of hell will come after you because you've made this donation. Now that's not something that a man speaks, uh, you know, he's speaking of someone yeah. in authority who, 
who uh, you know knows Satan's plan so well that he can tell him that he's going to come after it. So yeah, no, that's a good point. And this video is still up on Russell Brunson's Facebook page. At least it was as of a couple of days ago, which tells me that maybe that's how he views this entire thing. That all these attacks on Tim are the gates of hell and Satan coming after him. Anyway, the bigger story is that ABC Four News ran this article. It was picked up by Yahoo nationally, and everybody was reading. And the article we did an episode on the article. Maybe we'll link that in the show notes. And it basically just raised some questions um, about that Russell Brunson um, video. And then suddenly, just a few hours after that article was up, um, it was gone. We're sorry, the page you're looking for can't be found. Or, hmm, the page you're looking for isn't here. So this article was pulled. A lot of us contacted um, ABC4 to find out what had happened. Somebody um, that we ran across had actually called. And what did they find out, Landon? Yeah, someone called and said they were told by the newsroom uh, that it had been pulled because the church felt that it was biased uh, and and not a fair article, um, and that they were looking into it and that they would make a decision and that the uh, management of ABC was getting together to make a decision on whether to to put it back up. Uh, we we contacted uh, the newsroom as well. I emailed them and got an email back. Uh, you also did. Basically, it was the same email we got back. It was from the news director at ABC4. She said that she was the one who pulled the uh, article, that nobody uh, had had uh, coerced her or asked her to pull it, uh, and that uh, she, she was suspicious of how they'd gotten the information. Uh, that, that was basically what the email said. I, I emailed her back and said, this just doesn't make any sense. It's a seven-minute video. He posted it on his website, and your almost your entire article is quotes from the the video. What do you mean? Right. Uh, what what's suspicious about it, or what's what's wrong? We went through every statement that they made, checked it against the video, and it was a hundred percent accurate. We said, "What is the purpose for that? What's the decision to put it back up? Um, how how can you say that you haven't been coerced, and yet it's been two days, and you ha you haven't made a decision yet? That th this is a rather benign article because it yeah. simply said some Russell Brunson is saying that he was asked to to give a donations and and we contacted the church and they didn't give us any response but here's what he said in his video and we contacted yeah. him and he didn't respond so exactly. it was 100% accurate yet they're pulling it and it still <laughs> hasn't gone back up she did not respond to my second email. I sent her a copy of our podcast where we went through it line by line, showing where it came yeah. from and, and how it was true. Then we asked why when the church made a statement saying that that uh, that he didn't give the records, why are you publishing that one without backup and without investigating? Uh, why does the church's answer yeah. get to stay? But but this article doesn't, and and we right. never get a response. And and it seems like the point of that is that the church is uh, applying pressure and working pretty hard to just keep that story out of the news. That there might be some misuse of tithing records. That's what it says to me. So let's go to our next slide, and then we will dive right in. Another article comes out then saying Operation Underground Railroad says it did not have access to tithing records. So everybody's working really hard to make sure that that kind of is buried. That that might have happened, and of course. Um, Elder Ballard, uh, actually, since we put the slideshow together, has passed away. So I'm not sure that we'll ever really know the full extent. I believe that in Discovery, they can still look at emails, communications. Uh, we'll see about that. So we don't know. So well, about it's, a, it's important on the episode we did do on this uh, that 
that uh, uh, Brunson, Russell Brunson is not the only one to make that claim. There were yes. other people who made yes. claims that that uh, Elder Ballard would call them in and ask them to make donations yes. to either his son-in-law's businesses or to uh, these type of charities. So uh, yeah. that that is not a singular claim. Uh, right. This claim's been made by several other people as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of smoke, which makes us think there's fire. And so what we decided to do with this episode is kind of look at the past. Was there ever another big event, big notable time where we feel that perhaps tithing records or donation records were accessed in some way to pinpoint high net worth ward members and, and members of the church so that they could donate to a cause. So, yep, we're going to go there. We are going to talk about Prop 8. And maybe Randy is the one that can kind of, because you were in California at the time, maybe you can kind of, for those of our viewers that are maybe younger, don't understand what this was all about. What the heck was Prop 8? Well, Prop 8 was a California initiative to allow same-sex marriage. And it was not really as an issue in California, as far as I was concerned or knew. It, it wasn't, you know, one of the forefront issues. But then it got on the ballot and it just exploded. And it was basically, uh, you know, you drive up Laguna Canyon and there are all kinds of signs posted, uh, no to Prop 8, you know, H with a 8. Um, so it was nicknamed hate. Um, and it was a big deal. There was a big fight. There were a lot of yard signs and uh, protests. And uh, it was it became very, very political in California. Yep. And Utah, too. We were asked to, you know, donate and support here. I have a story I've told before where I'm in Relief Society and somebody comes in and they says, OK, you know, Prop 8's going on. We want to, we're chartering a bus. We want you guys to sign up here in Utah. We want you to take the bus down to California. People are picketing the LA temple down there, you know, because they're trying to interfere with, with the political process there. And so we want you guys to block cars by kind of sitting or laying in the road. And we're going to put you on a bus from Utah, take you down to California so you can lay in the road in front of the temple. And then when you're not doing that on your off time, we're going to go canvas everything. <laughs> you know? It was one of those moments where I kind of laughed. And then I looked around the room and everyone was signing up. I couldn't believe it, you know? So yeah, it was it was a big um, issue. And not only time canvassing, but what we're going to talk about tonight, resources. So Randy, you were actually called in some capacity in your ward to kind of facilitate organizing resources of time and money. Yeah, I was. I was uh, just minding my own business. And I, I, if my memory's right, the bishop from the board, ward, and this is Laguna Beach. And Laguna Beach um, is a place that um, our, our family, I lived there for years uh, because it's a friendly, tolerant, diversified place. So you got to understand the climate in Laguna Beach is very liberal. And I like, I like that. But anyways, I got the call from the ward. Um, I think the bishop saying, hey, uh, Prop 8, we got to get behind it and vote yes on Prop 8. And we can't have anything to do with the church, but we'd like to put you in charge of Laguna Beach, uh, which of all places, <laughs> Prop 8 is is a flop out of the gate. But um, uh, and, and some of those feelings got, frankly, very violent. I, it was a very emotionally charged issue. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, I don't really have anything against gay folks or lesbians. I have friends across the spectrum of beliefs and and uh, and everything else. And um, 
so anyway, but I want to be a good TBM, true believing Mormon. So I, you know, I said yes, not knowing what I was getting into. And we started holding meetings at my house and other houses in the neighborhood and orchestrating um, uh, fundraising and canvassing and signs and putting signs in yards and just the whole avalanche of propaganda to support Prop 8. Were you involved at all with um, facilitating donations in any way? They had um, my bet. This is going back a few years, but my yeah. best memory is that the bishop called me and said, hey, we need you to donate at least five thousand dollars or more. Uh, but five thousand was kind of a directive as a minimum. And uh, I got that call. Lots of people got that call. Um in fact, everybody I, the, where the issue came up got that call. Um, and that was kind of the magic number, at least 5,000. Wow. And did you get a sense then that they kind of obviously knew how much tithing you were paying? They knew that was something that would be doable and, and they were asking. Yeah, you know, on that on that particular call, I, I didn't. I just got the call. And okay. I mean, it, not, if I had to venture a guess, they were just kind of blanket calling everyone. Really? But I I don't know that for sure. Yeah. And I guess we can't say I can speak anecdotally to having a family member um, in, in Southern California at the time. And he definitely found himself um, on a short list at a fireside with very high net worth other members in the ward and the stake. And they were all there. Um, he definitely took note that it were it was a group of people of a certain income level that were there and they were also asked to give more than, I, I believe he did say the number was more than 5,000. So in that case, it seemed like it was this little group <laughs> that had been put together based on some kind of knowledge, whether anecdotal, oh, he lives in a big house or they look like they're well off or he owns a company, or if it was actually looking at records and saying, I know how much this person pays, I know what they can afford. So somehow, you know, people were being asked for money. Wow, that is so interesting. And, and it should be pointed out that as a, as a religious entity, uh, the church is tax exempt. And as such, they're not allowed to participate yes. in, in the political uh, realm. They're supposed to be neutral and, and stay out of politics. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they're asking you to do this in your home rather than at the church and to make a donation, I'm guessing the donation they were asking you to make was not to the church itself, uh, but to some other organization. So for the church to come and ask for money for an outside organization, uh, that you would think would be unusual uh, for them to be, be asking you to donate to a, an outside organization. Yeah, Landon, you're you're exactly right. It, the whole thing was unusual, and particularly, well, that was one amongst uh, many things that were unusual about it. I, I, you know, personally, when I was CBM uh, rah rah, um, all in it to win it in the church, I, I thought, hey, I pay my tithing, I pay my fast offerings. You know, I've got four kids, <clears throat> I have a growing business that's you know growing exponentially, and you know, just a very aggressive uh, business life. And I thought, you know, I've kind of done my duty here. So I didn't really get or connect with all these extra extracurricular donational opportunities. I don't know if any of those words made sense, but I was kind of personally, I was like, you know, I, I, I don't have anything against these people and I don't really want to donate more than what, you know, I'm supposed to. But that was that was the spirit of things. Wow. 
So now we move from California and we move to Sophronia's story, which is so interesting because this was not in California. This was in another state where the long arm of Prop 8 reached out like it did to me in Utah, um, requesting your help. <laughs> yes. Uh, so do you want me to just tell the whole story? Yeah, please okay. tell your story. This is just absolutely fascinating and really speaks to what we're talking about. Um, so as a backstory um, with our tithing donation history, uh, my then husband and I, we lived in even a different state than, than we were living when all this went down. And it was the mission field. There were eight high schools in our ward and we had everything. And so we went, we were pretty, I think, I think we were newlyweds at the time, but we went to tithing settlement and our Bishop at the time was quite well to do. He had a private jet. He was, there were a few families that were incredibly wealthy and, you know, compared to them, we were not even in that league and still not even in that league, but we came in, he advised us while we were sitting there. He said, you know, you're young, you've got a great life ahead of you. And I, I want to tell you what I do. And he explained how he donates directly to Salt Lake and he didn't say it, but he was telling us it doesn't show up on the local records. And he was also suggesting we donate in kind with stocks and how there's some tax advantages to doing that. And anyway, so we started, we listened and we thought, oh, that's actually not a bad idea. And so we started donating directly to Salt Lake. And it was an interesting experience when I recall, uh, you call a number and then they would give you the wire transfer number. I mean, they were, they were slick. I mean, they knew what they were doing and they were happy to take the stocks and, and we mostly donated in cash, but we did it that way. And I had confirmation in multiple arenas that they did not have record of what we paid at the local level. Um, fast forward a few years, and this was after the Prop 8 thing. I went to a Temple Recommend renewal interview and a member of the bishopric, um, he asked me, are you a full tithe payer? And I said, yes. And he looked at me, paused and said, sure about that? And I snapped, I knew what he was referring to. And I knew he saw zero on the record. And I said, and I explained that we donate to Salt Lake. And I said, do you know why we do that? Because of people like you, it's none of your business. How much money we donate? And I just freaked. But um, anyway, and then there was something else that happened to my ex-husband at the stake level that also it was confirmed that they didn't have, it was a zero. They didn't see anything. And so with the Prop 8 thing, it was in October, 2008. So they were at the very end and, and it was just desperation. And the election was just weeks away. And we got a call late at night and they talked, not to me, to my husband, my then husband. And he started off with, are you willing to defend the family? Or are you willing to protect the family? It was something like that. Or are you... Are you prepared to protect the family? And who had uh, called you? Did, it, was did he... state, it was the stake president. And the he state said, okay. the state president called and he said that the brethren contacted him and gave him, gave him our names specifically. Now we found out later there was a list of names that they gave. There was a small handful and it was people throughout the state. And uh, our number, Randy, was 10,000. 
And he said, we need you, uh, the Lord has called you and we need you to donate 10,000. We need you to do it tomorrow. I mean, there was no wasting time here. And for what was happening to us personally at this time, just so you know, backstory, we were never political people. We never had stickers on our cars, signs in our yard for any issue. I knew it was polarizing. I knew it was controversial. We voted in every election, but we didn't ever fund anything. We didn't ever, you know, just really get behind something. There was nothing that we felt strongly enough to do so. And we had family in California. We knew all this was going on. We were intimately acquainted with it, but we were in a different state. And from my perspective, I was actually quite surprised that the church created this, this issue like they did. I knew they did. And at the time I didn't associate it with that they had created it, but that they were so against it because I knew the doctrine of the church. I knew it from my childhood and I had read section 132. I thought that they would see this as an opportunity that if marriage is redefined, they could take hold of that brass ring and really make some hate with that. And I was terrified. And so for me, that's where I was coming from with, oh yeah, we cannot get this in. I do not want to have to deal with this. I do not want this coming back. I really thought that I, and actually what I know now, I am surprised they haven't tried to resurrect that. Um, but they haven't, thankfully. Um, but I I do feel bad and and I know Randy agrees. I I I didn't have a dog in that fight and I felt I mean extreme pressure to do it and we did it. And uh and it was a tough time financially too. We were in the middle of a kitchen remodel. And you know, when you have a big family, Randy was talking about this, when you have a big family, you're paying 10%. Yeah. You have your kids at school. You want to be able to take a vacation. You want to, I mean, you are at, I mean, even when they look at their donors and what they are with tithing, if they're trying to do, I mean, their taxes are also higher. They're trying to also yep. set up some sort of retirement account. Yep. You know, something, nobody, very few, very few have this excess cash lying around. Like, oh yeah, I can donate to that. I can do this. I can, you know. <laughs> I've got it in my pocket here. <laughs> so what did, what did it look like to donate? What steps did you have to go through? What did they tell you to do? So they sent an email and I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. I don't have access to email, <laughs> but I did do a search just hoping it might be there. So an email was sent and it was a link. Um, and then you had to fill out a form. And I don't know if you had, I don't remember if you had to mail the form out. It was something once you hit a higher donation, you had to write all this information out of your name, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then there were instructions of wire transferring. And I do remember doing a wire transfer because I was miffed that I had to pay the wire transfer fee. Oh. I mean, I don't know what's that bothered Insult me. to injury, a donation, and you have to pay the dang <laughs> yeah. fee. And again, it was not to the church. It was not a tithing donor. No. This was to a third party, like what happened to Randy, a third party that, you know, was, was supporting the, the prop eight cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Any questions, Landon? <laughs> uh, I, I think you said this happened to, to several people in your, in the state you were in. And uh, you had told us that there was actually an area of the state that was highly LDS. Uh, and that when they, when they put out everybody's record, when they, when everyone had to 
put out the names of all the donors that this this specific area had a huge amount of don donors all the same amount of money all sent in at the same on the same day yes. which made it pretty obvious that it was uh, a coordinated effort uh through through some organization which uh, it's pretty obvious who that organization was did did it have any repercussions on your business uh uh, yes. So, so what happened? So it was passed, right, Randy? Yes, I yeah. passed. Yeah. So it passed. And so like Randy said, it was a highly emotional issue. And it, it was just, people were so upset. Um, and, and I understand it. I, I understand the feelings that felt, you know, this was unjust. And so post-election, the list was released. And uh, my husband's business, it was it was a business in the community. Uh, he was a figure in the community and his name, and I, I was terrified. I started to read and that's when I saw all the donations and there was his name and people, there was a boycott. There were uh, comments on these blogs of, you know, well, how do you think he would feel with, he didn't have his family and my children were little. I was terrified. And I'm reading this thinking, we don't even really care about this issue. I mean, why is our name attached to this? And then I started to follow with the church, their response, because people were saying, no, this is the church. This isn't just these individuals. And the church started to make statements in January, I think, or a few months later saying, oh yeah, see, you have it there. So yeah, it started to make statements saying, no, 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 we, we didn't donate. We didn't contribute. I mean, it was like, you know, the mob boss just standing like, oh, I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> Who was? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really, I just felt betrayed yeah. and, um, and I, I was terrified and I was so relieved when it finally became legal because I mean, that issue haunted for years. It would come up and it just when, when you least expected it within the community, it, it would come up. And, and I never felt like I could say, I, we were forced into this. The church made us do it, you know? And I think I finally started to feel comfortable voicing that. But, you know, it felt disloyal to the church. And I was so in it at the time. I mean, you know, like Randy was saying, we were in it to win it. I mean, they... We made covenants and, and I did want to mention, so before we had the blogs and all the scary stuff, uh, after we donated, and I think before the final election, the state president came to visit us and to thank us. And he did use the temple words. He said, um, you were called up and you responded to the call. And he kind of, you know, pronounced sort of a blessing, sort of, you know, blessing speak. I, he didn't like give an official blessing, but you know what I mean? It was just that yeah. kind of talk. And, and at the time, before we had the fallout of the name slashed through the mud, um, you know, it really was, I thought, oh, this is such a spiritual experience. We really did. We're, we're being obedient and yes, this is a sacrifice. And, mm. but it was yeah, it was, oh, it was tough. And how did the, how did the stake president know that you donated from the list or Salt Lake? Do you know? <laughs> no, when he called and asked, he asked for a commitment at that time. Like, are you willing to do it? And just a verbal commitment. And so I don't know that he got a confirmation later 
that yes, they did indeed donate. I'm he probably did. I don't know. But I mean, it was a very quick call, <clears throat> but we promised to do it. And so you were asked to give $10,000, which you, you adjusted that for inflation. It's almost. I have the exact figure. It is. <laughs> oh, here it up. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I have a picture. It's $14,211 and 79 cents today. In, in today's money. Today's money. And, and yet your local tithing record says you, you didn't donate right. anything. So they. Right. The, the local people have no idea. The stake president doesn't know how much money you're you're donating unless right. Salt Lake told him yeah. that this is a person who can who can donate um, to this third party uh, political thing that you had no desire to participate in. You had no dog in the fight. And yet Salt Lake, using your tithing records calls you and says, we need a donation for a political purpose, which we're not allowed to be involved in. Therefore, we want you to send it to a third party organization. Here's the form. We will email you the form so that you can make that donation. Has to be overnight tonight. Wire transfer it to this organization. Uh, but we're not involved. <laughs> 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 yeah, you you took one for the team. No, you really did. And this was my relative who was in Southern California at the time, their experience too. And I don't know if anybody realized what the fallout would be, exactly what you described, lists published of donors' names so that people could get really upset, you know, and, and those lists still exist. I, I keep thinking if someone wanted to run for political office, somebody could dig back and go, yeah, but look. 15 years ago, you donated to this. I mean, and I don't believe, I believe the church must have known that that was one of the issues, one of the, you know, areas of fallout, but it was more important to kind of take one, better that one man should donate. Let, let's come up with the scripture, right? <laughs> yes, <I know. laughs> Something like that, you know. And the, the church so, lose its tax exempt uh, status. Lose its tax exempt <laughs> status. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, um, so then, um, after it did pass, people did get really upset and they started looking into how did this happen? And there were certain watchdog groups. Um, maybe you can read this, Landon, that that just started to say, look, uh, the LDS church interfered here and they did not report everything that they did and they're not being forthcoming. I, I know we've never heard that before. So this is just one of the many articles that came out in 2009 after the vote saying, wait, there was something fishy about this. Yeah, this is from the LA Times, uh, kind of investigating how did this organization raise so much money for this? Uh, and was it, you know, in-state money, out-of-state money? That's mm -hmm. kind of what they were looking mm -hmm. into. The headline is Mormon Church reports spending 180000 on proposition. Uh, this is January 31st, 2009. Top officials with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints filed reports Friday indicating that they donated more than 180,000 in in-kind contributions to Proposition 8, the November ballot initiative that bans same-sex marriage in California. The contributions included tens of thousands of dollars for expenses such as airline tickets, hotel and restaurant bills, and car rental bills for top church officials such as L. Whitney Clayton, along with $96,849.31 worth of compensated staff time for church employees. Boy, I have to say, for somebody that's not involved, that seems like they're kind of involved. Staff uh, and flying out and business lunches. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, uh, admin support. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
The church said the expenditures took place between July 1st and the end of the year. The church's involvement has been a major issue in the campaign and its aftermath. Individual Mormon families donated millions, by some estimates more than 20 million, of their own money to the campaign. On top of that, some Prop 8 opponents say church officials violated election law by failing to file campaign disclosure reports outlining church funds being spent on the campaign. Fred Carger, who filed a complaint with the Fair Political Practices Commission after the election alleging that church officials had not properly disclosed their involvement, said he thought today's filing proves that his complaint has merit. They said they reported all their travel. Now when there is a complaint filed, they disclosed 25 Southwest tickets just in October, he said. They were required to report this in an earlier filing, he said. Church officials could not be reached for comment this evening. <laughs> I swear this could have been written about, you know, the SEC fine, you know, not until their feet are to the fire do they actually report it. And then it's just a little oversight. Did you, either of you or both of you hear about these complaints? And then as as uh, faithful members at the time think, what? What did our church do? Did you guys know anything about this at the time or just overlook it? Uh I knew that the sketchy stuff was going on, and I'm embarrassed to say that um, I recognize it as being what it was, sketchy, and, you know, going along, go along to get along. I'm embarrassed. I've apologized to innumerable gay folks that I are friends or I've run into just because I think they deserve an apology, to hear an apology from a person that took such, uh, made such a mistake as I did. So yeah, it was, uh, even as a TBM, uh, it was embarrassing and it was ugly and it was stressful and it was unnecessary and it was squandering vast amounts of discretionary time and money. I mean, as a dad with four kids and a business to run, you don't, you're not like, <laughs> like was said, I said, you're not ruling in discretionary time and money and you're spending all this effort over an issue that I never really felt connected to in the first place. In fact, if I had sat down and actually used my brain, I would have said, no, I'm not participating. But, you know, uh, you make mistakes and you learn. But yeah. it was it was ugly. Wow. Sophronia, did you have any thoughts? Did you see articles coming out saying, hey, there's something sketchy? Or did you just kind of move past it? You were probably dealing with all your own stuff there in the community. I was, but I, I was aware. And, and yes, and especially once you start, you're on the list and you're donating, you do know what's going on. Yeah. And, um, did it, did it make me question, oh, maybe this church isn't true. You know, was that the, the defining moment? No, it, it wasn't, but I did know. And I did, I, it was like Randy said, it was just an ugly situation and I just wanted it to go away. I, I, it just made everybody so uncomfortable and and it makes us all uncomfortable and i i feel horrible about it now as well but it's the church really created this issue i mean i i and then i do remember though having a conversation just being really frustrated with it um to my my ex i said you know for them to be prophetic i'm just seeing a reactionary you know, I forgot how I phrased it, but it's some sort of, they're not prophetic. They're just reactionary with their inspiration. How is this inspired? And, you know, and that was just private between us, but it was, it, it was awful. 
I, I want to point out on this article too, um, the church had reported expenses prior to this mm -hmm. time. Uh, they'd reported $2,000 uh, in in-kind donations. <laughs> then once this uh, complaint was filed, right before the filing deadline, the church all of a sudden donated $198,000 and, and turned in all the all the receipts showing how much they had actually spent in non-monetary contributions. Yeah. Uh, you can actually go on, I think it was Fair Mormon, we found their response where they were saying, oh, everyone's filing right now. We haven't till, till now, yeah. but uh, the things we've read said, no, they were, you're supposed to report like at a certain, uh, as you, as right. you, as you go along. the expense, yeah. not at the end of the, not at the end. And they waited to the end uh, so that right. they could hide how much money they were really giving. And this is just the, the non-monetary right. compensation that the church uh, did participating in this. This doesn't include any of the actual financial donations that were made by its members, which exactly. the church did not claim that they gave uh, in this case. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the next slide on that because the church, it was so important to clarify this, that this is still here on the church's website. And there is an entire article of explanation. Um, it says church clarifies Proposition 8 filing corrects erroneous news report. So there is just this little piece. Maybe, Randy, you can read this because what I've circled is really important. <laughs> oh, the whole thing or? what's circled oh just read the whole thing so there's a little bit oh, of context sure. i would encourage anybody to go look on the church's website and you'll see their whole rebuttal on like landon said it's full of like most companies or many companies you know they're just trying to kind of these little wiggle words but but this little paragraph here sure on friday the 30th of january the church filed the final report of its contributions all of which were non-monetary to the protectmarriage.com coalition uh, the report submitted in advance of the 31 January deadline details in-kind donations totaling $189,903.58. The value of the church's in-kind non-monetary contributions is less than one half of 1% of the total funds, approximately $40 million, raised for the Yes on 8 campaign. The church did not make any cash contributions. Yes, you can stop right there. So I just love this because first, like Landon said, they said, oh, we only donated $2,000 in kind. Then feet to the fire, they have to file. Ooh, sorry, forgot. There's about 180,000 more in kind we forgot about. And then they say, of course, that was just a teeny percentage, you know, of what this uh, protect marriage um, uh, group were able to raise. And then they say the church did not make any cast contributions, which is true. The church did not. They didn't. Who made them? The, church <laughs> the members of the church. You guys the made them. That's right. right. And, That's and it's right. funny when you when you look at that, it says uh, that, that the contribution is less than one half yeah. of one percent of the total funds. And yet they make no uh, explanation that the church members donating yep. made up about 80 percent of what was raised <laughs> came from church members that being asked that. to give by the church yeah and in fact go to the next no slide mention. go to the next slide because this is something that sophronia pulled up um, where it kind of breaks down now i can't see that landon do you want to read that? <laughs> that's a yeah. little small for me ba basically um uh it says seven committees collectively raised 40.5 million to support proposition eight the ProtectMarriage.com committee dominated the fundraising, raising nearly 
$38.4 million and gathering an additional nearly $1.6 million in contributions from other Proposition 8 ballot committees. ProtectMarriage.com was the only committee to receive contributions from other committees that supported Proposition 8. National Organization for Marriage California was the only other pro-Proposition 8 committee to raise more than $1 million, although it in turn gave most of that money to ProtectMarriage.com. High Desert Yes on 8, a committee for Prop 8, also gave $641 to ProtectMarriage.com. Then they give a, a, a table with the committee names on here of the different ones, and the top one there is ProtectMarriage.com. Uh, the bottom is the total. The total raised in support of Proposition 8 was 42 million, uh, I can't tell if that's a zero, $17,549, so $42 million, protectmarriage.com, and that is the organization that you were asked to donate to, both of you uh, were well, they asked don't know to donate for sure, to. I think. You don't know for sure, right? You think that sounds familiar, but it was mentioned specifically in the slide before, where they said the in-kind donations for, for protect marriage. So we're we're alleging that here, right? Well, I, it doesn't take much alleging because most of these yeah. organizations didn't even raise more than $10,000. Exactly, so, exactly. So had to have gone into <laughs> I'm trying to cover myself legally. <laughs> I would bet a big steak dinner it was to protect marriage. Yes, okay, I, there I you go. Do. Big steak dinner for Randy, that's so, right. Of the $42 million raised, $39,960,000 was from protectmarriage.com. So $42 million raised, $40 million of it came from the organization the church had set up to, uh, to donate to as a third party and ask their members to donate to. That's an immense amount. And once again, let's look back at their statement. Is there any, any, not rec uh, any uh, admittance that they raised the money for protect marriage. No, in fact, they're saying we raised less than one half of 1%. It, it was not the interest on tithing. It's this. It's the same argument. It's what yeah. they leave out that is important here, not what they say. Yep, that's exactly true. And you get a call from the church and you're a member of the church and you invite all the members in your neighborhood or in the church to your house and you donate per the instructions given to you by the church, and you go out and campaign, you know, with other members of the church, and the only people around you on the corner holding signs are members of your ward, but it's not the church. Right. Figure that one out. You're acting as a member, not as the church, right? Speaking as a man, not as that. There's always these little distinctions that covers everybody's you-know-what. So, so, and let's see, before we get to Randy's other story, which I think is so fascinating, I think we'll go to the next slide really quick. We kind of had this idea that <laughs> it seems to be, is I don't know, the motivation seems to change when the churches doesn't want to be associated with something like Prop 8. Obviously, they want to impact it, but they don't want anybody to know they're interfering. They call on the members to make donations directly to an organization. And they say, not us. We didn't do it. No cash. No cash was raised or given. Then I compare that to the giving machines, which are out right now, where members go and they donate to a charitable organization. And in this case, they donate to the church 
that gives it to the organization. And so in this instance, it's all us, right? The, the church is able to count that as a charitable, <laughs> as, as charitable giving on their final statements for the year. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Not us, all us. I just think that's such an interesting way that it works. Yeah. Yeah. It, it speaks a lot. And it is fascinating with this. They don't even do a match, do they? Mm -mm. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think I read, we're going to do an episode on the giving machine and we're working with uh, the widow's might to kind of get some information. I, I think I've read that possibly in the last recent years they did, but if they don't, then it's pure member giving to the church to give to someone else, which is what LDS charities does. They have wealthy donations and then the church gives it and counts it. So I'm not sure exactly, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. With how much money they have, there needs to be a match. For a sure. substantial match, like beyond yep. match. Yep, like a 200% match. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> and I want to point out that uh, this isn't the only time that we've seen the church uh, use tithing records uh, that when they, they shouldn't. We we know that uh, Wilkinson, the president yep. of BYU, yep. actually uh, requested the tithing records of all the employees who worked at BYU and then took that to them and mm -hmm. basically said, you're not paying a full tithing uh, because we know how much you make yep. and you better start, <laughs> you better start paying your tithing if you want to continue to have a job. So uh, yeah. that's a situation again, where tithing records were used mm -hmm. uh, and given to uh, a, an organization, in this case, BYU, which you can argue is the church. However, uh, we, we were told only the bishops are supposed to know and the stake presidents, it's not to be shared with other, other entities. So this certainly is not the first time mm -hmm. that the church has used those tithing records. And so to, to just buy off and say, well, the church said they didn't do it. Well, they said they didn't donate in Prop 8 either, and they did. Uh, and, and we know that they did. They used the records in the Wilkinson Center. So this seems to be a standard operating procedure that when they need tithing, they know where the members are that have the money to go and, and get them. And I guess that rolls into uh, Randy's experience. <laughs> yes. When we started talking to everybody, everyone had a story, but I don't think anyone had a story as unusual as Randy's right here. Oh my God. You know, it's, it's just one of these things that if it didn't happen to you, you wouldn't believe it. But <laughs> I, um, it was basically, I was at my office just kind of doing my thing and the phone rang and I picked it up. And uh, the guy said he was a senior missionary uh, as a volunteer working for the church. And he had gotten some records that indicated that I had some money. I, and I'm not professing I'm Bill Gates or anything like that. But anyway, um, and he said uh, something about we'd like you to donate uh, and become a member of the, if I remember right, it's called the President's Circle at BYU to support BYU. And I said, well, you know, how much are you looking for? I mean, sure, I'll send you a hundred bucks. And, and uh, he said, well, um, we'd like you to be in the, in the president's circle and the minimum donation there is a million dollars. And I, it's like, my head kind of exploded. It's like, uh-huh. And, and then he starts quizzing me. And this is a guy I don't know. I mean, for all I know, it's a prank call. And, but the, the, you know, he starts quizzing me about my different, you know, assets, and I'm a real estate guy, and it's not liquid. And, um, and, and he starts quizzing me, and I, I'm kind of giving him answers without, you know, um, 
abusing myself with, with my own confidentiality of things that are my business. Anyway, it boiled down that he felt that the most liquid, quick way to get the million dollars was to sell my house. And it's like, and what do I tell my wife and kids? I mean, <laughs> the house you're living in, like literally yeah. the house your your children go to sleep in every night. Okay. Well, I had another property and I guess he figured <laughs> I could just move over there. And I, I don't know what he was thinking, but it was just so <laughs> utterly ridiculous. And, and, and number, number one, and, number, and then the whole thing with the, President's circle is you were invited to an annual meeting where the president of BYU was there. And it's like, I, I wouldn't do that if it was a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the president of BYU. I, I really don't. I had gone to grad school at UCLA and I got the chance to compare BYU to UCLA. And I kind of checked out of BYU. I'll just put it that way in terms of my, 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 uh, academic allegiances. And, um, uh, you know, it was just so bizarre. And as eager as I was to be a good, strong member of the church, I kind of told the guy to take a hike. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, but obviously they somehow had access to some kind of records that said that you might be able to pull it off. No, like, he was clear person... he had information. He was clear yeah. he had information. Okay. Yeah. And and you don't, you don't know where that information could have come from other than probably your tithing records uh, or some someone from your bishopric or or stake presidency that would be my best guess um you know i i've seen enough of the church having grown in a, a growing up uh, growing up in it that you know i i've been hit up innumerable times for hey invest in this and invest in that my answer is just a blanket no i invest in what i know which is real estate and i don't invest in movies or startups or you know all, all kinds of things that have come along um so i've i've kind of kept above the fray with that stuff but this one was a real curveball because it came essentially from an entity of the church itself wow that's so interesting and, landon have you ever been hit up for money like that from the church um <laughs> I, I'm nowhere near that league. Uh, exactly. I, I was the scout master, which meant that oh. every year I got hit up to do Friends of Scouting. Yeah. And I know I was in there right at the time that uh, the newspapers reported that the executive, the scout executives, and this was 20 years ago, uh, were making $200,000 a year. And all of a sudden, nobody wanted to give. They're like, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm not making that kind of money. Why am I donating so they can have right. those kind of salaries? But yeah, I was I wasn't asked. They came to me and they dropped off a box and said, "These are the people you're supposed to go talk to. Uh, here's how we want you to tell them. Here's how much they donated last year." You say, uh, "Last year you donated this much. Are you good for this much this year?" And add an extra five or ten dollars mm -hmm. onto it to, to to get that. So uh, that was certainly the only fundraising uh, that uh, that that I uh, had been asked to give. Um, but, you know, uh, Mormonish podcast, we uh, are always looking for donations. So uh, anyone <laughs> want to sell their house? Yes, yes, please. I'm not taking your house. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I think all of us would be stunned to know what the real financial workings, the inner workings were, are. We hear these little anecdotal stories, but I'm sure that's only the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the stories go on and on. I just spoke to a guy a week or two ago. His um, 
His family has a lot of money, a lot of money. And uh, he's really raging upset. And he's an active member of the church. But he told me that it's all when he when when the when the family the the parents pass away, it's all going to the church, not to the family. Yeah, I know somebody else who went through a divorce, and she told me that uh, that uh, she got a very large divorce settlement, and promptly got a call from the bishop asking for a hundred thousand dollars just out of the blue because she had it. And, you know, there's, there's, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This stuff is going on, like popping off like popcorn all over the place. So this isn't money that she just came into. This is her own money as part of a settlement of a divorce that she's got to live on for the rest of her life. But hey, you got half of what your, your marriage had. Uh, You need to give (laughs) some to the church. This is all on top of tithing. Yeah. On top well, of tithing. And after I had this experience, though, with the donation and, and all that and the church claiming they didn't do it, I, I started to look at tithing in a different light. And I was a member of the ward council and we had a bishop that sat down or just put on the whiteboard exactly how much money the stake has and how it's divided up with each ward. And he was transparent about that. And I looked at that budget. I can't remember what the figure was. But then I looked at all the people sitting in the room with me and I knew what I paid in tithing. And I had a pretty good guess of kind of the ballpark of what everybody else was paying in tithing. And I'm looking at that number and I'm thinking, how is that so low when just in this room alone, we're bringing this much money in? And this was long before any sort of SEC filing or any whistleblowing action or anything. This was, you know, at least 12, 13 years ago. But it's always poverty stricken. You're cleaning the chapel, even yeah. though a lot yeah. of the people cleaning the chapel are hiring people to clean their houses. You're, you know, it's just constant. There's never enough yeah. money. You're working on no budget with any activities with the youth, yep. with anything. And yet they have a war chest. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, that that's a, that's a great point, uh, Sophronia, because, uh, you know, Rebecca, you just asked, have I ever been asked to make a donation? Every member of the church has um, been asked to make a donation because when it comes time for the ward dinner, you know, yeah. oh, we'll provide the meat and everybody bring mm. food to donate or, oh, for the primary class, uh, you know, there's no budget. So you need yeah. to provide all of the supplies for the for the party or for the activity because there's no money in there. So every member, regardless of how rich, how poor, every member of the church is asked to make make donations outside of the tithing donation when we know the church has this humongous war chest could fully fund every activity and yet in perpetuity ask for that in perpetuity perpetuity. and then you hear uh, general authorities or i think it was general authority in africa going to these wards and saying we're not a wealthy church and we need your, I mean, just how did they even look themselves in the mirror doing this kind of thing? But again, the perspective is that you can't afford not to, that you need the blessings. And that's kind of an undercurrent for everyone. But I just don't know now that more of the financials are coming out and the widows might, um, if our listeners and viewers have not looked into the widows might go to their website, they, they try to put together the financials. It's just unreal. The amount of resources, real estate holdings, money, you know, investments. I just don't know how they can, with a straight face, ask people for anything anymore. 
in some of their investments, they're for-profit entities. Like they have these ranches and things and they are using an unpaid employment, uh, unpaid work staff that Mm -hmm. they can embody and they can, you know, this whole troop that they can enlist to do with service missionaries, with all sorts of things. And I mean, I can't imagine how profitable my business could be if I didn't have to pay taxes. Yep. I didn't have to pay yep. my employees. I'd be ahead of everybody else in the game. <laughs> yep. And they are no They're very far ahead. No, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, I, I don't know if we've answered the question. Uh, were tithing records used in the case of OUR? But I think we've definitely shown there's precedence. What do you think, Landon? Yeah, absolutely. There's precedence in this. And uh, uh, the church certainly uh, in 2008 uh, they weren't worth 250 billion. They were maybe worth, you know, 50 billion into, I don't know, 50, billion. <laughs> mayor, 50 but they billion, certainly yes. could have funded the 48, the 42 million yeah. without asking anybody yeah. for the donation. Yeah. And granted a church can't give money, but one of their for-profit organizations could have made the donation uh, in their yeah. behalf. Uh, but that's not what happened. The church yeah. clearly went after that. The church clearly knew wh- where the big donors were. They knew that if they asked using their prophetic callings or their, uh, you know, ma- the the power yeah. of their mantle, In the language that they could ask, and they knew that they would get it because they demand that uh, obedience from their members, and their members have made a commitment in the temple to give all that they have, and so they know when it's time to ask, they have no no hesitation to ask for that money, and and that's sad. Yeah, and it's a, it's a double whammy in terms of the tragedy of all of this because number one, people, you know, as you as you were saying, Rebecca, your family was paying extra tithing, mm-hmm. and you know, we go to general conference and we walk by right by the homeless people, and I'm all for tithing even to today, whether it's two percent or ten percent or twenty percent, it doesn't matter. But if you have a little bit and you can help out a homeless person and give it directly to those you help. But to give it to an organization that pretends to be helping others and is actually hoarding an astronomical pile of money that's uh, unfathomable, uh, that's a real tragedy because it jades people on being charitable. And Mm -hmm. I think being charitable is a good thing. Nope, that's absolutely right. And and also in the case of OUR and Tim Ballard, the church or representatives of the church, perhaps encouraging members like a Russell Brunson to donate to something that may be questionable, right? Like not vetted, like might not be doing what you think it's going to be doing and not not giving the help to the people that actually need it. Do you have any final thoughts, uh, Sophronia? This is such an interesting topic. Uh, no, I think we've covered everything, but I appreciate what everyone <laughs> said. But yeah, I, I agree. Churches yes. have a war chest. Yep. They need to give charitably. They need yep. to, to do more. They need to go out beyond members of the church. I, I, I've i never seen them be this aggressive trying to solve a human problem yeah. as they are when they're trying to solve a political problem or a, or a legal problem, problem yeah. or a legal problem uh-huh. yeah. yeah or a world hunger problem or a yeah. homelessness problem no, i no. mean I, I don't recall the verse in the new testament where jesus said 
build your stock portfolios and your real estate portfolio. You know, we're just talking about the stock portfolio. The church, I used to be with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers and the church was actually a client of mine. And I got a little peek into their real estate portfolio. And uh, I can just tell you, I was floored with how gigantic that is. We're not even talking about it. Um, it's, it's really insane. Yeah, I've heard fifth largest landholder in the United States. And and then there's worldwide. I mean, one of one of our first guests we ever had on Mormonish um, was somebody that came on and told us a story of he was also kind of a real estate developer. He was going to give a house to the church. And to him, it was a big deal. You know, he thought, OK, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to help the church. I'm going to donate my house. And he went into the meeting um, with the other brethren that were going to sign, you know, whatever paperwork needs to be done to donate a house. And he said they were just very inattentive. They were laughing. They were talking about having just closed on a big high rise in Hawaii. And I think we saw that in the news a while ago. Um, and he said he just sat there and he's like, I'm giving this donation. It's a huge deal to me. It's a house, you know. And they didn't really seem to care. They just were very nonchalantly just bantering about this high rise these purchased. And finally, our friend and our guest got mad enough that he goes, you know what? I'm not donating my house to you. And he <laughs> literally got up and they're like, wait, 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 what? No, no, we're very excited. But they weren't, you know, it wasn't enough. It wasn't a high rise. So he took it and he donated it to another charitable organization, which I would hope would put, you know, the funds from that house to good use. But you know, I just don't think we understand the inner workings. I just don't think that we get it. Yeah. And the sad thing is the way it's set up with charities and churches, if you donate to a charity, you can look up their IRS 990 mm -hmm. form online and you can see yep. how much the executive directors are being paid. And it's all disclosed. It's called informed consent. Yep. Unfortunately, churches are exempt from that. So they can they can do whatever they want. And you can see the Mormon church does do whatever they want. And they put on a show on stage that the members and the public, to some degree, believe. But backstage, it's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what our friends saw. They were just, ha ha, the high rise. And, oh, your house. Yes, yeah, sign that and just leave it there. He's like, uh, -uh. <laughs> mm. so I don't know. Do you think we covered it, Landon, at least a little bit? And, and I think what you said is very accurate. They're really fighting back on this idea that they in any way misuse tithing donation records. Although Elder Ballard has passed away, I still feel like in discovery, there may be emails, there may be other communications that may show us differently. So I don't think we've seen the end of the issue. Do you think so, Landon? Well, to me, it doesn't matter whether we see an email that says, uh, you know, oh, here's all the all the church uh, members and how much they paid. Uh, to me, the question is, did he use his influence to get people to donate to OUR? Did the church use their influence to get people to pay OUR? And to me, just the fact that OUR is going and doing firesides mm -hmm. at church buildings. Two weeks ago, yep. To me, that is fundraising. Yeah. You, you don't let Avon come in and talk to the Relief Society. Uh, <laughs> I wish know. they had. That would have been fun. Mary Kay. That would have been amazing. <laughs> no, that's a very good point, Landon. Yeah. Whether or not records is still, it just, it looks like it has the stamp of approval from the church and people are going to go with that and be comfortable donating. So I don't know. We haven't seen the end of it. I think that's the bottom line, I guess. So 
anyway, I would really like to thank our guests that came on, Randy and Sophronia. And please comment. Tell us your experiences. Were any of you involved in the Prop 8 era? Were any of you asked to donate? Or do you have a story like Randy where they knocked on your door and said, give me your house? <laughs> These stories are so interesting anecdotally, but it, it kind of paints the overall picture, which I think we're all trying to reconstruct. So uh, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be made aware of when new episodes of Mormonish come out, you can hit that uh, notification bell. And boy, we've been talking about donations um, all hour here. And Landon just said, if anyone wants to sell their house and donate it to Mormonish, we would not turn them away. <laughs> and of course, I'm kidding. But we do have links um, to PayPal and to Venmo in our show notes if anyone would like to help support uh, the infrastructure of Mormonish uh, financially. And we certainly do appreciate all of our viewers and, and listeners so much. And again, thank you, Randy. Thank you, uh, Sophronia. And we'll say goodbye for now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.